If you are looking for even more help and guidance on your breakup, I have a few different options for you to take your healing to the next level. I have four different online courses depending on what stage of the breakup that you're in from beginning all the way into moving on after heartbreak, or you can bundle all of my courses together and use the code podcast to get $25 off my course bundle. I also have my 30 day no contact challenge to help hold you accountable in going no contact with your ex. And we have our free Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with other people going through breakups all over the world. To learn more about any of these resources, head to the show notes where you can learn more about my courses, take the quiz to figure out which course is best for you, or join the Facebook group. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST to get $25 off my course bundle. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast with your host, Breakup Bestie, aka me, Kendra. Breakups are hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Each week, I will be taking you through a different topic as it relates to breaking up, healing from heartbreak, growing in your single life, dating, and getting back into happier and healthier relationships. The goal of this show is to provide support, hope, tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome to another expert interview on the podcast. Today is a very highly requested guest. I have been getting messages from you guys for a long time to have this person, Case Kenny, on the show today. If you're not already following Case, you've probably seen his quotes shared all over Instagram. He is the host of the New Mindset Hootis podcast. He has three different journals, the New Mindset Journal, Single Is Your Superpower Journal, and the Unbothered Journal. And originally, I brought him on to talk about this topic of single being your superpower, because I think that's such a impactful term that so many of us don't necessarily fully believe in. And we definitely do talk about that, about how the assumptions that we make about being single, the stories society tells us about being single, the stories we tell ourselves about being single, how harmful they can be to this process of this actually really beautiful process of learning how to live and love our life single. And he, you know, talks about how if you ask someone you know, who's older, did you ever regret being single? They're never going to say yes. It's this story that we create in the moment. But what was awesome about this interview is we ended up talking mostly about mindset and mindfulness, specifically mindfulness. That's his, you know, expertise. And we talked about how to get to know yourself, you have to be in touch with yourself and how to gain self-esteem and self-worth by doing things that make you feel good and make you feel like you're proud of, like being honest and doing what you say you're going to do. So this episode really takes a deep dive on what does it mean to be mindful in the frame of being single, dating, in relationships, whatever that looks like. Case has such a great perspective on so many different topics as it relates to this. And I'm so excited to share his wisdom with you all. So here he is. Hi, Case. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. As I mentioned, you are a very highly requested guest for a while now. So I know I'm so excited and I know my audience is very excited to hear from you too. Man, 
thank you for having me. It's a lot of hype. Hopefully I don't <laughs> let people down. See, no. see if they see what I can give them. Um, well, I'd love to start off, you know, if you follow case, you know, his page is full of very hard hitting quotes, um, from all over Chicago and other places, but I'd love to know how you got started doing this, doing what you do, podcaster, content creator, everything that you do. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if you ask me that question in two years, it'll be a different answer. And yeah. it definitely was a different answer two years ago as well. So, I mean, it's a kind of evolving thing as I like really figure out what it is um, that I want to do and grow and things like that. But I mean, I've been doing the podcast for three years. Um, I'm known for the quotes on Instagram, which is fun. Not something I set out to do by any means, uh, but here we are. And I love it. In fact, I'm like all sweaty because I just got back from walking around the loop for two and a half hours trying to find places to take pictures of. That's my life. Um, but yeah, I mean, I started the podcast three years ago. You know, the abridged version is I started it at the tail end of a relationship ending. Uh, I was 29 at that point. And I was just like, who is Case? Because at the time, I just like felt very on autopilot, both in relationships, but also in my career, personal life. It just like I was doing the things that I was supposed to do, you know, nothing dramatic about that. It wasn't, you know, some big toxic turning point. I just was like, am I doing the things that I want to do? Or am I doing the things I think I'm supposed to do? Um, and I kind of just took a step back and was like, I want to be more honest with myself and intentional with myself. Um, I've been writing online for a long time. And I was like, I kind of want something more challenging than just, you know, vlogging. So I was like, let me start a podcast. And I did. And I got kind of lucky and it kind of blew up there. But then it was like, after like starting the podcast and my idea was just like mindfulness. I want to talk about honest subjects, being mindful, being intentional in life. And then as the podcast grew and I really like started to dig in the topics, I just realized how powerful the process of, you know, uh, thinking critically and thinking about your life can be. So like, I always say like the podcast is my therapy because I do it twice a week. And I think about these topics from a first person point of view, and I get a lot of clarity from it. So you know, it just, it's taken a lot of different directions, but that's, you know, started the podcast, it's grown a lot. And then I was like, wow, you know, this helps other people, but it also helps me as well. So I sit down and I do these things and, you know, I share my thoughts with people on Instagram as well, but that's kind of the gist of it. That's amazing. You know, one of the first questions I had for you is so much of what you teach is about teaching people a new mindset, um, a new way of thinking about things, which is not always easy. I think it's so easy for us to like read a blog post and we're like, yeah, that makes sense. But like, I'm not going to turn around and start implementing it, or it's not going to like characteristically change how I see things after doing this for, you know, a good amount of time. What do you feel like it really takes for most people to be able to change the way they think and change the way they act? Yeah. I mean, it's the ultimate question because I look back in my twenties and I had a great life. I live a privileged life, no doubt about it. Um, and like, to your point, it's like, we all know truths about life. We all know the same things. We all know to say no to mixed feelings. We say no to toxic relationships. We, we all know these, these things, but why don't we do them necessarily? And that's something that I've always battled with. It's like, we all know these things, but why don't we do it? Why don't we do it? And why don't we truly know it? Like, know it, know it, know it. Because if we actually knew it, we would act on it. So like, my whole thing is like, I've evolved. Like my whole thing is that I state obvious truths. 
Like I used to be a guy who I would clown on people who posted an inspirational quote, like love yourself. I'm like, Oh, that's cheesy, man. Thanks for that. That's real helpful. Like not in like a hating way. I just used to be like really cynical about that. And I've just realized now that there's so much power in repeating truths in stating cliches, no matter how cheesy it is, I will be the cheesy guy. I don't care. I will be overly cheesy. And I think in life, just being human, we need frequency. We need iterations. We need to hear things multiple times. So if my job is to tell someone something for the 50th time, but it was the 50th time that caused them to change and actually change, then I did my job. So I think we as humans need to hear these things. Number one, we need to repeat them and we need to like look them in the eye. It's not enough to be walking down the street and be like, I deserve better. It's like, sometimes you really need to sit down and you need to write it down and you need to back up a why. Um, I think everything in life becomes much more powerful when you have proof of a why, like this is why. Like for instance, I talk a lot about standards and you know, it's one thing to be like, I deserve this and I deserve that and I deserve blah, blah, blah. Like, that's great, that's good. But in reality, when that is kind of your MO and you go out and you try to live those, more than likely you're going to fall short a little bit. But if you sit down and you say, I deserve this and I deserve that, and it's because I had this experience that taught me it, it's because I dated someone who fell way short in the respect category, whatever. Now you have proof of why you have a standard, for instance, for example. And that makes it so much more powerful than being like, I, I'm great. I deserve this. Like, I love that. I love affirmations. But when you back it with a why and experience and something in your life where you had experienced the opposite, that's where it becomes powerful. And I think it's my job to inspire people to think of the reasons in their life to create a why. And then they can go out and live their standards, boundaries, truths, whatever it is. And they don't forget it. So that's the spiel on that. <laughs> yeah, no. And that's super powerful. And I think it's so funny when on my Instagram, like I'll do videos and I'll do all this different kinds of content, but it's always the quotes that like hit the hardest. And I think it's because it's like, it really does hit people at different times. And I agree. It's like, you know, I've had experiences where, you know, for example, like I was trying to tell my mom about something like teach her about boundaries for years. And then one day she like comes in and she's like, Oh, I just did this. I just set this boundary. I heard about it on Oprah super soul Sunday. And I'm like, cool. You know, like I've been telling you this for years, right. but like right. glad Oprah could relay the message to you. Um, and I think sometimes, especially when it comes to like a toxic relationship, your friends might say things like plant little seeds over time. And then we get this like moment of clarity. And if it can be like your quote or something that's there to catch that moment of clarity, to promote someone to take action on that, that's really powerful. Cause I think we get a lot of moments of clarity, but it's a matter of, are you taking action to do anything about it? Yeah. I mean, amen. I mean, all of that is derived from experience too. I mean, it's like the cliches are true. It's like, you don't know what you don't know until you don't know it, or you yeah. don't know what you don't know until you experience the opposite. So like a lot of times it sucks. Like the reality of life is sometimes you don't know what your standards are. You don't know what your love language is. You don't know what your attachment style is until you experience the opposite, you know, or, you know, until you experience something frustrating. Like that's the reality of life. So like, I am a very glass half full type person and that's the way I see things. And I know it's not always instinct to see things that way, but like sometimes to your point, the catalyst could be, you know, hearing someone say it in a different way for the hundredth time, or it could be an experience in your life that really sucks but in reality, it's what you needed. And that was the last time you needed it. You don't need it anymore. And you're good now. And that's powerful. And I think that kind of mentality is really redeeming. 
And I think so many people jump from relationship to relationship. I don't think it's, they do it on purpose. I think it's just because that's what has worked for them for most of their life. Um, and when we do that though, we tend to miss like, what was the learning experience from the first relationship? What changed in the second? What did I learn here? I mean, there's a reason most of us are not with the person we first got into a relationship with, but I think yeah. a lot of us don't pause to take the time to learn that lesson. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, if you don't take time to look at what passed, you'll never progress. If you don't take time to be aware of a shortcoming, you'll never overcome it. If you don't take time to look at an insecurity, you never evolve past it. Like, I mean, you have to look at the things that frustrate you that you don't want to visit or revisit. I think it's essential. And then like the good news is that'll be the last time you have to do it. And then you move on. So like, there's something to be said, certainly about embracing pain, trauma, heartbreak, yeah. mistakes, whatever it may be. Um, but it's for a very productive reason. You're not visiting it mentally to beat yourself up. You're visiting it to set yourself free and learn something from it and build a standard, a boundary, a resolve or something on top of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you feel like people who um, really embrace what you're talking about um, embrace your page are people that are going through some kind of breakup trauma, something tough. Cause I do feel like pain is the catalyst. A lot of the time that we need to start opening our eyes and exploring new things. I, yes. I mean, I get many, many DMS from people who say they found me because they're going through a breakup and it's been really helpful, which is great. If that's the role that I serve, I never set out to do that by any means. My whole goal is I want to help people be more mindful and all mindfulness okay. is, is self-awareness. And I think of any area in life where self-awareness is helpful, it's definitely after a breakup because you think about our inclinations after a breakup, you could spiral quite quickly. And if you don't grasp hold of your self-awareness, that is the intentions you have with your thoughts, why you're thinking what you're thinking, and most important, the assumptions that you're coming to, it can quickly devolve into very negative thinking. So I think that's why people tend to gravitate towards it. And you combine that with the fact that I'm generally a very positive type attitude person. And I think that's helpful. And that's what people need. And that's the way it should be. Like, it's not always easy. And it's easy for me to come from a position of privilege. And, and you know, I've never had a over the top heartbreak type scenario in my life. Um, but if I can offer perspective that helps people who have, um, then, you know, I've done my job. And what are your thoughts? I think this is just something I've been exploring the last couple of years. Cause I feel like too, I tend to be a pretty positive person. Like I really think everything we go through is for a reason. And there's like a blessing in disguise, no matter what we go through, but how do you navigate this idea of being mindful of your feelings and like validating your feelings and then also maintaining positivity, not to the point of it becoming like that idea of the toxic positivity. Yeah. Well, I think it's a balance. I think everything is a balance, of course. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I like my whole thing with mindfulness and like, I spent a lot of this past year trying to get more men to be mindful, for instance, because most of my following is women. And my approach there kind of answers your question. It's like, why be mindful? Like, why be mindful? What does it do for you? And my answer is, with, you know, some insight and self-control, mindfulness feels good. Like we know when we're being dishonest with ourselves, it doesn't feel good. You know, when you're, you know, you're not living up to a standard, it doesn't feel good. Mindfulness, the application of self-awareness might be awkward, might be tough, might be like pulling a bandaid off to act on it, but ultimately it's going to feel good. It feels good to be honest and live your truth 
and know your why, even if you don't have what you want, even if you still are mistreated, if you, even if you had a, have a bout of bad luck, it still feels good. That's my pitch to men. I'm like, be more mindful, especially in dating. Like, you know, when you're doing something that doesn't sit right with you, choose the thing that sits right with you because it feels good. Cause like mindfulness has to be self-serving. Like we could sit here all day and be really altruistic and noble and say that we want to be compassionate to all beings. Good. But ultimately we need incentives that serve us. And I think mindfulness, when you look at it in a sense of what makes your soul feel good, honesty, it's so great. So that's kind of always been my pitch there. And like what I've realized in my life, it feels good to know why you're doing what you're doing. And to say, I decided to do this, not it's what I'm supposed to do, not because I can't control myself, whatever it may be. Um, so like, that's why I'm all in on mindfulness. Not only does it feel good, but it leads to better actions and better relationships and everything in between. And I would say a lot better self-esteem and self-worth when you're living Absolutely. in a way that you feel good about. I get asked all the time, like, how do I improve my self-esteem? And I'm like, you do things that make you feel good about yourself. No one's going to grant it to you. I had this idea for so long that at some age, I was just going to be like granted self-esteem and like <laughs> self-worth, but it yeah. comes from, you know, being honest with yourself, being honest with your friends and family, being honest in relationships, um, you know, acting with integrity and, and all of those things. So I think there's so much benefit in that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it comes from doing what you say you're going to do. Like, I remember way back, like one of my first episodes, I talk about like building self-esteem and I, I think I probably borrowed this from someone else, but it's like a little thing, like sitting here and being like, I should do the dishes because I see them there. And then you actually do them. Like the completion of what you say you're going to do, it builds self-esteem. It builds pride. You do what you say you're going to do. Little examples like that. I should work out. And then you actually work out. That slowly builds self-esteem. And then that cascades to other areas of your life. I should act on a red flag. If I see a red flag, I act on a red flag. I should not put up with someone who texts me at 2 a.m. I don't respond. I shouldn't text my ex. I shouldn't, so on and so forth. It's like you create those things and those come from self-awareness and then you do them and that builds self-esteem. So it's all built on awareness and then action or inaction depending on the outcome. And I think there's so much work in this space that's very, I'll call it lofty um, and a little bit, um, like philosophical, but if it comes down to like, if you say you're going to do the dishes, go do the dishes. And that will, you know, help with self-esteem. Like that's a tangible action that someone could actually start doing right now as they're listening to the podcast. And I remember I had a mentor in my early twenties who told me like, get up every day, make your bed every day. And then every time you're at the grocery store, return the cart and just start seeing how things change. And it's like, it's pretty, it's feels miraculous, but it makes a lot of sense. Um, why that would start to change how you feel about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's little things like that. Absolutely. It's easy. Those are easy wins that you can give yourself. Yeah. Um, so I think when I first came across your profile, one of the biggest things that stood out to me is this idea of like single is your superpower, like this whole idea. And I talk about like a huge mindset shift, I think, especially for my audience where single feels pretty doom and gloom for them at this point. Um, and so I would love, you know, to hear like, what does that mean? Like, you know, what does it mean to own being single is actually, is not a bad thing, but actually something you can really harness for good. Yeah. So, I mean, that was the reason that I constructed that phrase singles are superpower. It's over the top. It's exaggerating, of course, but like 
it's to do exactly what you just described is to take this stigma off of this term being single or in anything where we let a relationship status define us in our worth. That was the whole goal of that and the journal and everything I created there. Um, and it, you know, that comes from my own experience. Like I was always in relationships in my twenties and then from, you know, 29 to 33, always been single. And it's just taught me so much about, you know, how we identify. And then also like the connection between how we allow assumptions to happen very quickly. Like it's one thing to like, want to be in a relationship and not be in a relationship. Okay, that's fine. There's plenty of things I want in my life that I don't have yet. But there's something about relationships where we allow it to take us much further. Like you are single, you don't want to be single, but you are. So it's the way it is. And then you look at couples, you look at married folks, you look at your friends, and they're in happy relationships. And you feel that you're missing out, you get a little FOMO, you feel like you're falling behind, you get a little bit of that. But then for some reason, when it comes to singlehood, we then correlate that with loneliness as well. Like we assume that because we're missing out on something, and we don't have something that we're lonely people. And these are like steps that like happen gradually over time, but we start to make these assumptions and then compound that, of course, with society and culture and parents and all these things where it just becomes this, you become a lonely person who's behind, who's not lovable, who's all these things. And it's insane. And it's just because of this word single. Um, and I don't think we need to, you know, allow our overthinking to take us to such a dark place. It's one thing to feel lonely. It's one thing to be like, I want a partner right now. And that, I think that's fantastic. But you don't have to go to a place where it means you're a lonely person or the fact that you're not in love and someone isn't loving you right now that you're unlovable or all these different things that we do. And I think, of course, the solve is mindfulness. And I also think the solve is realizing, I always do this little exercise. It's that now in the present, if you were to fast forward 20 years and look back and say, what do I regret? I don't think it's possible. And I've vetted this through my grandparents, my parents, older generations. You'll never look back and say, I regret being single. That's not a thing that you're going to regret. The things you regret are the polar opposite, staying in a relationship, dating the wrong person, staying in an abusive relationship, things like that. So it's always helpful to do like a little linear type exercise and look back. It's just like, it's not something you'll regret. In the moment, it might be very frustrating and you're at your wit's end. But ultimately, I think there's a little bit of redemption that comes from realizing that in the span of your life, you know, you have so much life to live, of course, but you're not going to regret being single. Yeah. You're not. And you're especially not going to regret it if you make the most of it. If you use the time to the cliche, to love yourself, to find yourself, to do what you want. Like, I love having been single and I love my alone time and doing what I want. Like, it's so amazing. So um, all those cliches are true, but ultimately I think it's just the context, the stigma behind it. Yeah. And as someone who, you know, I've been married for three years now and I mean, I don't regret that I didn't stay single longer, but I regret that I spent a lot of my time single wishing I was in a relationship Yeah, yeah. because now I, you know, right yeah, yeah. Like I, you know, I can look at friends who are single and I'm like, they can literally do whatever. I mean, honestly, they can literally do whatever they want. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's awesome. awesome. It is. It's, yeah. um, and I think there's some beauty in the fact that as like, I think in our generation, we're getting married later and there's less of the stigma, um, of staying single. But I think you're right. It's a very, very loaded term. Um, and I don't think like movies really do us much good in that way either. Um, but what you were saying, like making the most of it, because I don't think 
you're going to be happy single if you just sit around waiting for the next relationship. So, you know, you mentioned like working on like loving yourself and all of those things. What are some things that maybe you've done that have allowed you to appreciate like some tangible actions that you've done to allow you to enjoy being single? Yeah. Well, I mean, I certainly think it's everything you reference. I mean, it's the realization that being single means ultimate freedom. And when you're in a relationship, it's not like you're handcuffed. It's just that it comes with responsibility. You've got another person in your life. So realizing that for one, I mean, I'm wired a little bit different than other people. Like I have to be an entrepreneur. I have to be incredibly creative. Like I have to do music and write and all these things. And not everyone wants to do those things, but I would encourage people to find some kind of outlet where they can create something. I think everyone is a creator in some sense, whether that's art or music or philanthropy or an interest or a hobby, like you've got to have a life outside of your relationship. You have to. You know, even if you're like, well, no, because I want to focus all my effort on what I want, which is a relationship. Well, then I'm going to be like, well, what happens when you get in a relationship? You're all of a sudden going to develop a life outside of it. Not going to happen. Like now is the time to figure out what interests you. Like sometimes we just forget that fact. And like, we're interesting people. We have interest and curiosity. So like my whole thing is like, I just turn my curiosity up a notch having been single and it's just, it served me so well. I could do whatever I want. I can pick up a hobby. I could travel. I could do all these things. So I definitely recommend that. Um, I know that a lot of times the temptation, especially in big cities is like when you're single and you want a relationship is you fill your calendar with dates, but I, that can't become your whole social life. It can't be, you know, three dates a week. Like that's just overwhelming. It's like, you know, you and, still have your, exhausting. that sounds horrible to me, to be yeah. honest. Like that sounds absolutely miserable. <laughs> I would never do that to myself, but some people do. And, and I respect that because they're going after what they want, like kudos to you, but you've got to have a life outside of that. And you got to figure out a way to do it. Even if that means taking a break, like taking a break doesn't mean you're quitting. It just means you're refocusing and re-energizing. And I think that's really, really important. Take a break from dating. Stop going on dates for a little bit. That could be the thing that you need most. And not everyone takes the time to do that because then they feel like they're falling even further behind and so on. Like my whole thing with mindfulness and dating is like, let's say you had a breakup, for instance, and you went from 100 to zero, right? You were great. You were blindsided, broke up. The reality of life is, yeah, life can go from 100 to zero very quick. And oftentimes it hits the same people and over and over again, and it's unfair. But I think the flip side of that reality is also true. Life can also go from zero to 100 really quickly. And that's a very glass, very half full mentality, but it's also true. It's like, who's to say that the next person you do decide to go on a date with can't be the person that's for you? Who's to say that you won't meet someone? Like that type of thinking, I think, rescues us a little bit from a pattern of assuming that, you know, one failed relationship means another failed relationship means another failed relationship, another bad first date means another, and so on and so forth. But um, I think it's all positioning in our minds, again, frankly. Yeah. Well, and I, that's one thing I was going to ask you is like, I think like the most common DM I get is people saying, how do I know that wasn't my like last chance, you know, like people are so, you know, like, how do I know that wasn't my last chance at love? How do I know that this person, um, I'm never going to find someone. And I try to like communicate it. I'm like, statistically, it just doesn't make sense that you would never meet anyone ever again. And I think especially once you start really looking at like, you know, what your ex was, um, they were unique, but like, they weren't, you know, like one in an 8 billion person, you know, like when I ask people, like when it comes down to it, what were they like 
They were nice. They made me laugh. Like we had fun together. It's like, you're telling me there's no one else out there that's going to be nice and fun and make you laugh. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, I preach that. That's so true. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you do if you had unlimited time and energy? As you're navigating your breakup, I know your energy can feel low and it can feel really difficult to complete everything you need to in a day. When you're emotionally exhausted, it's especially important to be really clear on what your priorities are and where your energy should be invested. Therapy has helped me in the past figuring out where I should be putting my energy, whether that's career, friendships, relationships, events, which in turn has helped lower my anxiety because I don't always have to feel stretched thin or behind. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash heartbreak today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash heartbreak. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We, the bar is pretty low. We've lowered the bar massively for ourselves. If exactly to your point, yeah. if your test for whether someone is your soulmate or, you know, you missed out on love is if they're nice, funny, and you know, whatever that we have a big problem. Like we, we have to have a higher standard for that, but I think that's a great positioning too. It's like list out the things that, you know, you potentially missed out in that person and then realize how common those are, but then also the fact that you can find those combination of things in a much better package with a cherry on top with something much more unique to it. The world's a big freaking place. We have a lot more time than we think. It's like, I always joke that, you know, there's that commercial where it's like, we all become our parents at some point. And I always used to think that that was really funny and not true. Uh, But I find myself saying things that my mom has told me recently, like in my early twenties, she would tell me like, relax, like, why are you going on dates? You got your whole life. And I was like, well, that's silly old person. And now it's like, it's so true. And I, I, I very much, of course, understand the difference between men and women and biological and society pressure. Very unfair there, of course, I get that. But still, there is something to be said about the timeline that we put on ourselves that is not fair to ourselves. We have much more time than we think. And when you combine that with the realization that you'll likely never regret being single and the fact that life can go from zero to 100 quickly, you know, just because the last year was spent going on really bad dates and being frustrating, who knows that this year might be the opposite could be one and done like that type of optimism, you know, I don't want to say the word manifest, but it's like visual, like 
you know, you can't live a reality that you can't picture in your head. And if you're picturing a reality where everything is impossible and you're never going to meet the right person, you know, it, you know, reality follows suit. So you've got to, you got to change your mind, even if you're forcing it a little bit, even if you're forcing yourself to be optimistic, be optimistic. Like I think there's something to it. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you like, how important do you think the language that we use either like, you know, internal or when we're talking to friends of saying things, like, I think you did a post, I wrote it down about saying like, I'm hopelessly single. What do you think the impact of using that kind of language with ourselves can do? I think it's absolutely everything. Like if anyone listens to my podcast, who's listening to this, they'll probably get annoyed because I tend to repeat things, but it's like the words we use are everything. The stories we tell ourselves are absolutely everything. And like I said, I wasn't going to say it, but it, that is manifesting. Like a lot of times we think that manifesting is picturing what you want, um, you know, writing down, um, you know, a description of it, visualizing the day you're going to have it and things like that. Um, and that's of course part of it, but manifesting is literally just about the story you tell yourself about why that reality is possible, why you deserve that reality. It's the same thing. It's like in dating in particular, like the story we're so tempted to tell ourselves, especially after a breakup or a annoying period of dating is no one's honest. No one's serious. The dating apps suck. I'm getting older. No one loves me. Every, all men are cheaters, whatever big statements there. And we do that, but you've got that story. And then you've got this other story that you don't verbalize so much, which is that, you know, you deserve a good person, a kind person, a guy who's this, that, and the other, but you have these two stories that are directly contradicting yourself. So how do you expect to live a reality that is the opposite of what you're telling yourself, namely that all men are this, that, and everything sucks. Like manifesting is reconciling the two and as cheesy as it is, it's affirming the reality you want to live in. Changing that from dating apps suck, all men are whatever, to there are men out there who would love me for me, who are honest and compassionate and all these things. I know it's an awkward kind of cheesy thing to do, but I really do believe in creating the two. You can't in your mind have assumptions about a reality you want to live, but then go out and expect to live one that's the opposite. Like that. So the yeah. words we use are everything. The whole idea of hopelessly single or unlovable or anything like that, as much as we sometimes joke about it, I think they are very, very, very important because subconsciously or overtly, we create stories around them and the stories dictate our reality. Absolutely. And you mentioned it earlier in the episode, but this idea of like turning on like curiosity, you know, that's what I try to tell people too, is like, if you're not to the point of being like, I know there's someone out there, you can say like, I'm curious and excited to see like what's out there, you know, and maybe you don't know for sure. And that's okay. But at least opening your mind up to curiosity versus completely shutting it down seems like a much better option and step for people. Absolutely. I think curiosity is what rescues you from the assumptions you've made about dating. Like I spend a ton of time on social media, obviously, and I, I follow all the dating accounts. I follow all the meme accounts. And there's an interesting interplay there with some of the, the accounts there where it's like women will be like red flags and one will be if he has Snapchat, I won't date him. I'm like, what a ridiculous thing to say. Like who yeah. came up with that? Like, why, why are we doing these things? Like, yes, there are certain red flags that are red flags. Absolutely respect them. You know, they're a red flag. You move on when you see it. But these things that we borrow from social media or other people or whatever, it's like, to your point, remain curious, have your boundaries, have your self-respect, but we've got to look past the stories that we think are true, the, 
cliches that we, the stereotypes that we think are true that aren't necessarily true, all that. And like, I always talk about like looking past your like type or whatever, looking past your type as well. It's all bundled up into one conclusion you can make. Um, namely that you don't know what's true until you know what's true for yourself. Like mm-hmm. even listening to this or my podcast or your podcast, I was like, we give our best intentional advice we can give, but it's ultimately up to the person who's listening to prove whether that's true for them or not. And that's the reality of life. And I think that's so redeeming. Like, that's so great. You get to decide what's true for you. You don't have to borrow what I say. You don't have to borrow my quotes. You could be inspired by them, but maybe I'm wrong in your life. Maybe you don't need some of the things that I say. It's like, I always give the silly examples of woman crush Wednesday and man crush Monday. Some people need that. Other people think it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. So it's all up to you, you know? And I think curiosity to your point is what's going to reveal that to you. Man, I like my relationships in my twenties were so dysfunctional in so many ways, mainly just because I didn't know who I was and I was afraid to get to know who I was. But I think what I've ultimately learned is like, if you can just be true to yourself, be mindful and approach dating as you there's not really any way you can go that wrong, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Like yeah. my whole, I, I mean, literally life's that simple. End of episode. Yeah. I mean, I, I think so. My whole thing is like, I don't set goals where it's like, I want to be happy. I want to be successful. I want a partner. I don't set goals like that. My one goal is I just want to be proud of myself. And I think when that's your objective, everything you just described is accomplished. And then you accomplish everything else that you should want to, which is, you know, dating honestly and intentionally and respecting your boundaries. It's like, because if you're always asking yourself, is this decision that I'm about to do make me proud of myself? Yes or no. And I think that's going to lead you in a much better direction than, um, you know, trying to set goals of, I want to be this or that. It's like, no, just be proud of yourself. And I think through that goal, even if you don't know who you are really, because I think that could take a long time to know really who you are and what you stand for you know, when you're proud of yourself to our conversation a little bit ago, does it feel good to practice mindfulness? It's the same thing. Like when you're proud of yourself, unless you're some kind of special sociopath type individual, (laughs) uh, ideally you would know (laughs) when you're doing something that's messed up or not. Um, So yeah, I love that. You're talking a lot about like kind of changing stories that we tell ourselves. Do you recommend that people journal out that stuff? Is it like affirmations? Does it take place just between your ears? Like, how do you recommend we start changing the stories we tell ourselves? Yeah. I mean, that's it. I think it's got to start between your ears and then it's got to take a step further. Like, uh, I mean, I've created a whole business around journaling, um, but it's because I believe so passionately in it. It's like, it's one thing to know something. Again, we talked about it's one thing to know something. It's another thing to really know it and be like, man, yes, yes. Amen. Whoo. But it's another thing to sit down and write it down and feel it and touch it and look at it. Like, I'm sure there's science behind it. I'm sure there's some chemical release in writing something down, but it's true. I mean, I think of all the things that I know in my head versus what I've written down, and there's a big gap there. And that's why I'm so passionate about journaling. Something very visceral and tangible, of course, about writing, but that makes it real. Some of our thoughts aren't ours. Some of them are ours. Some of them aren't real. Some of them are massive overthinking. It's like, what do we believe? you sit down and you write things down, I think it's much easier to pick those apart. So I think it's all about writing it down. And and if you're not a writer, creating something with it, art, recording yourself, I don't know, there's many different ways, but I think journaling is a huge part of practicing mindfulness. 
and making it real in your life, not just something you think about occasionally when you're at the gym or whatever, it's writing it down. I know. Isn't it so amazing how many times you journal and you're like, I didn't even realize I was thinking that, or I didn't even realize I was feeling that because something does happen with like putting pen to paper and having something come out. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're forcing yourself to make a decision. And sometimes a gut decision is like, Whoa, that is not what I expected. So it's, it's awesome. It's cool. Yeah. Um, so my last question for you is there's this quote of like, if you're not happy, not in a relationship, you won't be happy in a relationship. Do you agree with that? I do. I agree with it. Yeah. I'm sure there's exceptions where it's like, you know, some people truly found themselves happy once they found a partner. But I mean, again, to everything we discussed, I mean, it's like, you've got to have a life outside of a partner. I think partnership is a huge part of life. Absolutely. It's a massively rewarding, purposeful part of life, but it's not your whole life. It's not your whole life, even linearly. Think about it. You go at least probably 20 some years without having it like long lasting. Like there's got to be more to your life. And the cliches are true. It's like my whole thing is, of course, as is often said, it's like it shouldn't be one half looking for another half to become whole. It should be two whole people coming together. I mean, think about all the the drama you avoid when that's the case. You have two like whole-ish people, right? Everyone's always becoming more whole. But you have two people, for instance, that they both know their love languages. So they know what triggers them or what doesn't. They know their attachment styles so they can communicate honestly. Like those are people who are becoming whole. Like you need that. You need people who have spent the time to do that and also spent the time to figure out what makes them happy, what makes them feel validated. That's not a relationship. What makes them feel fulfilled creatively, career-wise, whatever it is. Um, I think that's a purpose in life alongside of finding someone to share life with. So I think sometimes a helpful exercise is to sit down and be like, what is the purpose of life? Like write down five things, not like one big purpose, because I don't even have an answer for that. Maybe five things or 10 things. And I think you'll realize that a relationship is one of many. And that's a great thing. It's not minimizing the importance of a relationship by any means. It's just maximizing the fact that it provides context for all the other amazing things that you're going to do. And then that person's going to help you accomplish the other purposes. And it's this great cycle. At least that's what I think. <laughs> that's my yeah. vision for myself. No, I, I um. agree a hundred percent. And as you were like listing off, like imagine a relationship where two people know their love languages and know their trick, like all those things. I'm sure people listening to that, like, that sounds amazing. But honestly, like the best way to find a relationship like that is to do all those things and like be all those things. I always say like, it's really hard to meet someone who sees how worthy you are. If you don't see how worthy you are, it's, you know, I remember someone had me write out everything I wanted in a partner and they're like, that's your to-do list. You know, you're not going to walk around the world, like searching for that, you know, list. It's like, you're going to do that. You're going to embody those things. And that's how that's going to come to you. It's like, that's the only way it can work out. Yeah, absolutely. It's so true. If you don't love yourself, why would someone else love you? Like there's something to be said, of course, about someone helping you overcome aspects of yourself that you don't love. Absolutely. But foundationally, it's like, let's talk about attraction too. It's like people can sense that you aren't all in on yourself. Like people could sense that. And that's like not an attractive thing. So like back it way up. Like if you want to attract someone, you want to attract what you deserve. You want to talk about attraction and manifesting. It's like, you want someone who loves you fully. Well, it's inherently a requirement that you love yourself. You have to do it. Otherwise you're not going to find what you said you deserve. Like you said, you deserve that. So 
what is step one? And then what is step two? And I think it's just, you know, so important that we realize that. And of course, like partners are there to like enhance your love for yourself and, and help you find those areas that you struggle with. But foundationally, if you're not a fan of yourself, why would someone be a fan of you? And same yeah. with them. Like think about it to them. Like, would you be a, a number one fan of someone who doesn't think highly of themselves? Be a struggle, at least in the beginning, attraction wise, right? There's like, there's something about self-love and confidence, or at least a dedication to figuring it out. That's attractive in the, uh, you know, attraction sense, but also attractive in like the spiritual sense. Like that's what we want. That's what we deserve in a partner and in ourselves. Yeah. When I didn't love myself, I was attracted to people who didn't love themselves. And then that turned into a toxic relationship. There you that's, go. How, that's how that worked. Takes, um, takes two to tango either way. And <laughs> yeah. And it's not a question of like, is it the chicken or the egg? It's, you know, it has to start with you first. Like you yeah. can't invite someone in to be like, help me love myself. And then maybe it'll happen for me. So, yeah. um, so I love this work that you're talking about. Cause I feel like so many people come to you for relationship quotes and advice. And then what they get is it's all about you. Like it all comes down to you and your mindset and how you, you know, work on yourself and feel about yourself. And I think that's awesome that you're able yeah. to do that. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because I do a lot of interviews and things like that. And I feel like sometimes people are disappointed by my answers because they'll, they'll get me on there <laughs> like, all right, Case, let's talk about sex on a first date or let's talk about dating someone who's 10 years older. Let's talk about texting red flags. And I'm like, I'm like, I can give my personal opinion on those things if you want a scandalous answer. But ultimately, it's your decision about what matters to you. There's no yeah. right or wrong. There's literally no right way to be single. And there's no right way to be in a relationship. There's no right way to be married, divorced, whatever. Like everyone's just doing what they think is right for them. So who am I to tell you that? Like, but I, and I think there's so much power in living life that way. Like the little soundbite I always give that's become annoying at this point is that there's no right way to live your life, but there's a wrong way. And the wrong way is to think that there's a right way. AKA thinking that everyone else has the right way, thinking that all the blogs are right, all the Instagram influencers are right, and you're wrong because you don't know right. It puts yourself in a corner. You do things that aren't true to you. You create standards that aren't your own. You do all these things where the reality is you're free to decide what is right for you. And the only way to actually sit down and be like, I know this is right for me is if you practice mindfulness. So like that's all roads lead to mindfulness in my mind to live a happy life, to find a partner that respects you and is, you know, fulfilling. It's, it's all mindfulness. <laughs> I love that. Well, you, uh, very far exceeded expectations. So you right. have far exceeded <laughs> the bar, but thank you so much for taking the time and talking with me. And I'm sure, um, a lot of people got a lot out of this episode. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed our time. And, um, where can people find you, um, your podcast, your journal, Oh yeah. Thank you. It's just case.kenny on Instagram. And then the podcast is called new mindset. Who dis the journals are new mindset, who dis.com, but all things Instagram. I'm always posting on there. If you want to kind of find me there. Awesome. We'll check him out. And thank you so much again, case. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your breakup bestie, where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones, and the biggest reminder is that 
this too shall pass. I promise. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.